So those of you listening then will know that uh, we're here today with Captain Al in the studio with us. Now, Captain Al has flown in this morning to uh, our airport where I'm learning to fly, or our uh, base at Ella. Uh, he's flown in to see Matt today, so he's seen you because uh, of your, your fear of flying. Yes, well, everybody knows that I've got a little bit of a fear of uh, flying, and as I'm sure everybody knows, Captain Al, because, well, you, why wouldn't you know? Uh, is, Everyone knows Captain Absolutely, Al. has been, uh, helps lots of people uh, try and get over their fear of flying, and we sort of sat down and had a bit of a chat uh, in Carlos's lounge this morning. We did, we, we had a, a little session, we went through some of uh, the common elements that yep. uh, a lot of my uh, clients uh, suddenly discover that they're not unique to them and are actually no. quite quite prevalent really in, in people who have a fear of flying. You can break them down into fairly simple components and then we just talked a little bit about breaking some of the myths really and looking mm. at uh, establishing some facts so that uh, we can start to help us get control of some of our irrational thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a... It's a yeah, it's uh, it's the next bit that I'm a little bit nervous about. I won't lie. <laughs> it would be unusual for you not to be nervous. No, indeed. And uh, uh, of course, there's good nerves and bad nerves. Yes. Um, but we're going to to go off for a very short flight in a PA28, a small four seater aeroplane. It's not normally the sort of uh, strategy that I'd take with the clients. Just. Mm -hmm. To, to emphasise that for a whole variety of reasons. Um, can, I, the, can I fly? Can I have a go? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Damn. But uh, the opportunity is there, and uh, we discussed it yesterday, and you're fairly adamant that you didn't want to do it. No. And, um, <laughs> and we've built on some of the things that we've talked about today, yeah. uh, and uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that, that you want to have a go. So yeah. uh, there's, no, I'm, there'll I'm, be no tying of arms behind no, back, <laughs> but um, uh, we, we, uh, we have the opportunity. So uh, uh, I, I guess uh, you guys will report back tomorrow on the show as yeah. to how it went. Yeah. You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 124 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the spare room studio this week Indeed. is my co-host Matt. Hello, good morning everyone. How is everyone? Well, I'm very. F I'm good. I, <laughs> yeah. I I had a really boring gig last night. Right. I, yes, yes, that, we've uh, all heard about. Didn't it. go very yes. well <laughs> because it was boring, and uh, and yeah, and I'm all, I'm just um, ready to rock yeah. and roll this morning, ladies and gentlemen. He's been in a steaming mood most I of the been morning. Been in a mood <laughs> at all. Been a steaming mood, uh, but, but uh, uh, more importantly, yes, which overshadows everything else that's going on. Someone had their very first general aviation. Related flight yesterday. Oh, is that what GA and he's means? He's sitting very close <laughs> to where I am now. Yes, yes, he is. For those yeah. of you who looked uh, on Facebook and uh, followed us yesterday, you would have noticed that uh, we had a very, very important person fly in yesterday. A VIP fly in all yes. the way from uh, Manchester, and yeah. that was Captain Al. Captain Al flew here, and uh, he actually flew into the uh, to the, the school flying school where I'm uh, based over mm. here at uh, Ella at Beckles. And uh, Nev flew in yesterday morning, 
uh, in his Piper 28 Cherokee, and lovely aircraft that was, it was too. Yeah, wow, yeah, that was yeah. really Is it? nice. Oh, good. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't remember a lot about yeah. it. I got to be honest. <laughs> and uh, ne- Nev flew it. Uh, Nev, uh, no. Al. <laughs> well, that, that'll be soon. Will. Yeah. And Al flew in. Uh, Al flew in just to see uh, to see Matt and have a chat with him about uh, obviously his uh, his issues with flying. Yes, indeed. And I was officially counselled. everyone in, a, in an attempt to try, and it was uh, two and a bit hours. I think actually, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was busy cooking in the kitchen at yes, the time. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he had uh, he, he flew in and uh, he, he actually done the trip in, in about around about 90 minutes from uh, from Manchester I know that's to really here, scary isn't which it? is <laughs> ridiculously fast, fast yeah. and this just proves my point that flying is by far the only way to travel um, but no he came in and uh, we, we obviously uh, drilled over his plane for a bit because it is a very very nice aircraft yes, you were very, very jealous nice. that I was going up in it and you weren't actually yeah <laughs> for those of you list- listening uh, on uh, on Facebook and on YouTube and everywhere in iTunes and whatever if you go to our Facebook page you'll be able to see the photographs that I took yesterday um, of uh, of uh, Captain Al's visit here um, so I mean how was it Matt how I mean this is the first time you've been in a light aircraft obviously um, and one that I haven't been in right, okay. before, yeah. which is which makes me all the more jealous. Yeah, um, the, the long and the short of it is, um, I don't, to be honest, I, d- I only have one memory of it, which I think is probably really? a good thing because I, w- I really was. Well, I mean, and well, I mean, you you know how nervous I was before I actually got in in the thing to get up in the air. Um, and uh, to be brutally honest, and I don't mean to big up Captain Al in any way, shape, or form. Well, I, I, I do. But if it had been anyone else sat at the controls, I don't know if I'd have been able to do it, to be honest, because it's like, you know, I mean, we've got we've been lucky enough to get to know him over the last sort of couple of yeah. year or so. And, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't have trusted anyone more, really. It's the only reason I sort of agreed to do it. And I, I, I'm very excited that I didn't scream like a banshee. That was a that was an unexpected bonus. And um, I don't really remember a great deal about it other than stunning views mm. of the area yeah, yeah. that I live. You literally sort of go up in the air and suddenly um, the coast <laughs> is is visible. It's really quite, quite it's, weird. It's good, and uh, the only downside is, is because um, obviously we fly over where I work and uh, all I could see was the top of our coaches and I thought the A18 desperately, desperately needs to have its roof, roof cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which is the unexpected <laughs> bonus. But anyway, uh, yeah, not really. Again, again, thank you very much. Was it comfy in there, Matt? It, it was, seats, yeah. They were lovely they, well, leather it, it, it's seats. It's a lovely little aircraft, aircraft I think. Yeah. Think um, I, so I don't really remember, um, but it was it, it was very nice. It went up. It's a, it was a little bit bumpy, um, which was kind of like all of my worst fears that rolled into one. But Captain Allen's very good at sort of talking you through things that you don't need to worry about and and all that. But it was yeah, it, it was very good. It was it was very good. As I say, I, I've sort of left it with the only memory that I have of it. Essentially, was um, was stunning views. So that's that's got to be a, an improvement, right? I know yeah, it's, it's I such. A, it, I, t- I tell everyone that it's just such a you know it's a different world when you're up there. Um, I don't know quite how. I don't know how high. I forgot to ask how high Al took you. Up, you know, about eight hundred feet because I did ask him at one point. So we oh, were really? about we, yeah yeah we're about. I'm not too high. Yeah, not about eight hundred feet was uh, where it was. But it was just weird because you because at eight hundred feet, of course, you can see like you know the Beckles Tower. You no, can I see know. the the the, the, um, uh, the the block of flats mm. right near where I live and all yeah. that kind of thing. And they just look like just in front of you there. You know, know. you know the fact that it's like two miles apart. Uh, and of course, it was a beautiful day. Yesterday. The big question is, though, Matt, would you go up again? Yes, yes, I think I would. Mm. Yes, I think Good. I would. 
Because yeah. Al might be listening, you see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is he? Oh no. But we we do want to we do want to say a big thanks to uh, to yeah, Captain Al, um, especially yeah. for coming over yesterday. And yeah. I did, um, I did, I can say that I did feed Al. We did have food. Yeah, no, he, he did I, get food. Yeah, yes, I did feed Al. He did have bacon rolls. <laughs> and so it is, okay. uh, I, I think it's sort of worth mentioning as well, seriously, if anybody does have a, a fear of flying, um, uh, as I say, two and a half hours I spent with um, Captain Al because he, he runs a company called uh, Flight Fear Solutions. You, if you stick that into Google, you'll, you'll find him. And um, he was he was brilliant. I mean, because he knows so much about what's going on as well. That makes a huge difference to... Uh, to, to it all really and um, Al, Al is one of these literally people. any question that I had you he had a very credible and I think that's the thing uh, for someone like me who doesn't know who, who is very nervous about flying you need facts you don't need people or or, or businesses mm. or you know like people who you know who are guilty of sort of gilding the lily, lily a tad for their own benefit actually to get facts so well, you ask a, a Captain Al a direct question and he'll give you a direct answer and he doesn't sugarcoat it because it doesn't help Mm. You know, um, but it, it, it was it was a it was a very good experience, um, and uh, yeah, I, I would like to think that won't be the last time that I go up in a light aircraft. I was offered a brief hold of the controls, which <laughs> I frankly declined because <laughs> I couldn't think of anything more terrifying. Um, but uh, yeah, I know you'd have ripped his arm off for a chance to. God, to, to blimey, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I was yeah. in tears when I saw you uh, flying away. I must admit, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I've never been in a, in a Piper Twenty Eight. Um, especially not or not one that looks that nice. As no, well. Well, it was a um, stunning aircraft. It was yeah. so well yeah. maintained. It was it was spotless. There was not, yeah. a, not a dead bug. No, no even indeed. even after his journey all the way here on the aircraft. Anyway, enough of this. It is we, it is what's the date? Uh, what's the date? It is the seventh of August uh, on twenty sixteen. It is ten. 07. It's Sunday morning. We're doing it on Sunday because there's a little bit of an impromptu we've, gathering. We've got some guests. We do, yes. But they're not in no. the spare room no. studio. So I'm a tad week. nervous after yesterday's experience. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, I, well, I'll leave you to introduce them. So our guests, then, as uh, you may have known from the last episode, are, um, well, they're not across the pond. They're across the North Sea. North oh, Sea. <laughs> <laughs> but we have yes. uh, we have got across the uh, cesspit that is the North Sea. I know. Yeah. We've got a little meet up, a little impromptu meet yeah. up going on yeah, over at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport. So we are going to go live right now over to Amsterdam, uh, where our uh, third kind of uh, host is. Yes, uh, Of the show yeah, the over there. Is, so yeah. uh, good morning to you, Neville Bounds. Morning, gents. How are you? And uh, welcome from a slightly cloudy uh, Amsterdam Schiphol Airport. But uh, uh, here I am uh, with uh, four of my aviation friends. We have yeah. Stuart behind me. Yeah. Uh, we have Masha. We have uh, Myla, and we have Fabian just on the uh, the right hand side there. So uh, yes, I've flown in this morning uh, just for the event, and then we're going to have a bit of a, a meet up. Uh, there's plenty of food here. There's no shortage of that. Uh, oh, uh, Captain Al will be devastated. Please, absolutely sure. Yeah, we thought we'd just say hello and uh, thank you very much for allowing us to uh, uh, share your show with. Uh, oh, no, no, the pleasure is all ours. I can oh, assure you great. of that. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for taking all the tick uh, the the kit. To, yeah. to do it. As I say, he is my partner in crime when it comes to technology. There is no man I would like to share time with more than anyone else. When it, it's great. We have conversations and everyone else around us glazes over. So I'm brilliant. Gonna, I'm going yeah. to guess, I'm gonna guess, Nev, that your, that your airline of choice for flying over was BA? 
Of course. Yeah. <laughs> is there another airline? <laughs> well, the, the, there is. There are plenty, but uh, that's <laughs> one I have to go with for uh, reasons of Avios points and Rocking. all that status that's business. It. That's and, it. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but I thought what I'd do, actually, uh, whilst we're here, is that I would uh, hand the mic round to yeah, the guys here. Do. And yeah. They can all have a quick chat to you. They can all hear you, uh, which means that the technical bit has worked. <laughs> Good, uh, yes. Which absolutely. makes a change. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to introduce you to Myla now. Good morning, Myla. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Hello, Myla. Oh. It's so lovely to see you rather than see you in the chat room and just a name. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We, I'm we, so glad to be here. I'm very excited. And it's lovely to meet everybody and see everybody. And Neville's done a wonderful job with bringing out all this gear. And yeah, it's just awesome. So <laughs> Great. <Yay. laughs> how's, how's the flying going, Myla? Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. I've been training lately. Not so much simulator, but more... Um, Psychological training and mm. interview training, things like that. So um, yeah, it's been great. Oh, great. Awesome. Matt will come mm -hmm. up with you soon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. 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 The the, the duck has been broken. Oh, you no. know, I'm game for anything now. <laughs> I have to ask Milo, what's the hat? The orange arrows. What's that all about? Yeah, that's that's my hat. I I thought I'd join Carlos in wearing a hat, and uh, so <laughs> yeah, yay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's because he's completely bald under there. That's why <laughs> he wears a hat. Yeah, whatever. There we go. Yeah, whatever. Oh. Yeah, I'm not buying none of that. But uh, yes, so oh, very exciting. So uh, of course, and we'll have to have you on the on the show again soon. Yeah, Marla, we'll have to have right? you on yeah. the show again soon, Marla, yeah, for a absolutely. good chat, yeah. good catch up. Yeah. All right. See, see how, all right. See I'm going to hand the microphone to uh, Fabian now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's have a speak with right. Fabian. Yeah. Good morning, Fabian. Hi, everyone. Good morning. How are you now, doing? Oh, very good, thank you. Now, I understand you've had a bit of a drive this morning because you don't actually live in Schiphol. <laughs> no, I don't live in the Netherlands. I drove here from Germany. I, it was like a two-hour car ride. And, yeah, here I am. I took the train <laughs> in from nearby. That wow. was 10 minutes. So, it was good to... Arrive well. It's not. It was not too early to get up. No. Okay. <laughs> this is brilliant. No. Well, well done first. So, so Fabian, are you a, are you a big uh, big podcast uh, listener? Then I take it you obviously listen to the airline pilot guy. Yes, I do. I what, the t-shirt gave the away. Did it? Pilot guy show like the beginning of this year and um, well, listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast now and then if I got the time. Uh, yeah. And. Um, well, I listen to podcasts more and more now. Yeah, good, good. They're the way, they're the way, they're the way forward, I think, because yeah. a lot of cars and things now, because you, you can shove like uh, memory sticks into the front of the, all of these in radios cars, and things, yeah, can't you? Yeah. It's great, so you can just sort of listen to things while you're on. So you've, you've, got a, uh, you've got a bit of a passion for aviation then, Fabian? Yes, I do. I have been uh, plane spotting since I was like 11 years old, and um, right now I'm in my ATPL um, training, and I will have my PPL check ride Monday in a week. Wow. wow, good That's luck with very, that. Yeah, good definitely. Luck with that. Yeah, 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 fingers and toes all crossed for you on that one. So I'm going to ask the Thank question you. then, because we've not spoken to you before. We've, all, we've asked Milo this already. What is your favourite aircraft oh, yeah. of all time yeah, then? Yeah. Come on, what, yeah. do you, what is your favourite craft? Commercial, commercial. <laughs> oh, my favourite aircraft, um, maybe the triple F-154. Really? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Or the Lucky TriStar. I'm a big oh, fan. No, don't say the word TriStar. Oh, dear. That's it. That's yes. It. Well done, Fabian. You Friends now, for life now. You've yeah. now joined the, uh, <laughs> the Gold Members Club. Oh, dear. Uh, so well done, I've to already you, glazed over, listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, can I, I actually, I have flown on the uh, TU134 many right. years ago. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's a nice aircraft, too. But mm. I have not flown on the TriStar, but I've flown on the Triple F154. It oh, was well quite done. an experience. 
Wow. Oh, oh dear. Excellent. So, well, uh, so we, we'll, we'll move along then, if we may, then, Fab. Thanks for that. And, I will hand uh, the microphone on, yes. Cool, lovely. And we'll say hello to the lovely Masha. Masha, how are you? Hello, guys. Hey. Very nice to speak to you again. <laughs> and you. Long time no see. Yeah, all of about three weeks, yes. <laughs> yeah, not, not that long a time. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Now, what was the highlight for you at uh, Farnborough? What, what, what was the standout moment for you? Meeting me, obviously. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> well, after that one. <laughs> yeah. Very diplomatic, well, course, dear. Well course, done. Meeting, meeting, like, Captain Jeff and yeah. Dr. Steph yeah. and, and, and all the podcasters that I... I I've, I've listened to for all this time. That was a highlight. But yeah. if, we're, if we're focusing on the air show, I think this one has been mentioned by a lot of people. But the, the F-35 was really, really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I say surprises everyone from, from my point of view. But my favorite actually was the, uh, the A380. Mm. I mean, we, we were yeah, walking back choice. to the media tent, and I was completely blown away by this ridiculously huge aircraft that looked like it was just stalling. I mean, it was just it was just stunning. I think uh, I think Stuart, you were there as well. I think when we were walking back to the media tent, when it was uh, with with this A380, I've never seen anything like it, and and, and that's the first time because, as everybody knows, I'm quite new to aviation and, and and you know developing a passion for it, shall I say? And that's the first time where I've literally stopped uh, my conversation, stopped walking and everything, and just stood and and you know marveled at this aircraft doing these these amazing things yeah well that's that's how it starts is it and right <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh -oh, what have i done <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, oh, and dear. now every time you hear an engine You'll look up. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've already downloaded f Flight Radar Twenty Four already. Oh, yeah, 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 there yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm officially ruined now. <laughs> I already get enough abuse from my colleagues at work. I don't need any more excuses to be a geek. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so we'll we'll pass along there, Masha. Thanks for that. And uh, okay. on to the next one. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a shirt. I think is our, our next uh, hello. hello shirt. Yes. Hi, hi guys. <laughs> So we'll ask, we'll yeah, ask it's a bit of a struggle with the, 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 the cables for the yeah, right. Mic okay. and, uh, <laughs> as I, yeah, as I say, Masha was garroting uh, Myler earlier, which is always <laughs> nice, you know, the joys of cables and stuff. Not, yes. not, not enough XLRs, eh, Nev? No, not no, enough no. It's, it's all about no, headphone we have, cables. Uh, too many of them. That's yes, all. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so how, how are you, Shut? I'm fine, thanks. Good, good. Yeah, we are very, very lucky uh, today. Um, we have a very good view of uh, two uh, runways where uh, jets are taking off all the time. And, um, well, my previous experiences here on the panorama deck were uh, a bit less. Uh, you could see lots of planes taxiing, but uh, not uh, arriving and uh, uh, departing. And, um, well, in that uh, respect, we're very lucky. Cool. And uh, we're planning to, uh, to video some of them and... Um, yeah, well, uh, send the videos to you. Maybe yes, you please. can use yeah, them in uh, one of your shows. Definitely. Any any yeah. particular aircraft out in front of you at the moment, sure, that you could uh, see that you sort of stand out? Um, no, is the short uh, answer. No, not, not really. <laughs> no. no, it's, uh, it, it's just uh, the amount of them. And uh, lots of uh, wide bodies uh, taking off and uh, going to the States. And, uh, yeah, that, that brings back uh, good memories. Cool. So it's uh, it's the old uh, the old. The whole package—it's not uh, one particular thing. No, that's fantastic. That's so your—it's your, your favourite part of uh, the Farnborough meetup, then? Uh, sure. What was uh, what sort what of was the, the highlight, the highlight yeah. for you? Yeah, I think the the, the highlight was uh, the uh, the meeting at uh, Fleet. It was the first time that I uh, saw you guys and um, saw the uh, the other uh, listeners, and uh, yeah, um, 
that, that, that was the moment that, um, that I knew that uh, it was a good choice to come to Farnborough. And, uh, good. Um, yeah, it, it, it all came together. Because uh, it's just like uh, what Micah said. Uh, you don't know uh, the people, and uh, mm. it can be very good. It can be very, very bad. Uh, yeah. Captain L uh, mentioned that as well. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, for me, it was a very good experience. And um, yeah, that was the moment that uh, that all doubt was gone, and uh, I felt very free and very, very okay I, I in, uh, in just the whole weekend. Just to oh, sort good. of enjoy yeah. the whole experience. I mean, that's the one one of the, yep. the things for me that really stood out. I mean, I, I you know I've listened to it. the weirdest thing, and I think I said it in one of the earlier shows when I was sat there um, at, at the because I got there quite late, obviously because of train uh, you know work commitments, mm. and I, I got there by train uh, quite late on. And I'm sitting there, and it took me a minute or two just to gather my thoughts, if you like. So I'm sitting there, in, and I'm listening to Captain Jeff, who we've all listened to. I could hear like obviously Carlos, who who I'm bored of hearing, <laughs> uh, you know, and and like Nev, who we've had on the show and and all these like uh, and um you know pasadena brian and all these voices that that you hear in your headphones when you're like in my case scrubbing floors or cleaning coaches or or whatever and then suddenly thinking hang on a minute no they're all around me this is really weird yeah. i mean it was a it was an amazing, no, amazing it, it was really good to meet yeah. all you guys i tell you it was really really good so what yeah. about from the actual air show itself um sure what was what was the the standout craft for you yeah, I have to go with the uh, F-35. Yeah. Mm. This is, uh, I've never seen uh, an aircraft hovering, and I've never heard that much noise right, well, for yes. such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It was very noisy. But uh, it was very impressive. Uh, I've never seen a Harrier. So, um, yeah, this was my first. And mm. uh, I didn't um, think I would be that... Uh, that um, yeah, surprised by it because uh, a few weeks earlier I saw the uh, F-35, well the Dutch uh, version. That's not the the hover version. I mm. saw it at uh, the uh, the air show in uh, Leeuwarden in the Netherlands. So, yeah. well, I thought, yeah, I've seen it, and uh, okay, I'm going to see it again, but it won't be special. But uh, hey, it was uh, quite yeah. special. Quite special, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I was quite wrong there. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay, well, well, we'll pass back to Nev then, if that's okay. We'll Thanks. Yeah, Thanks for sure. waiting for you guys. Thank yeah, you, Jordan. Yeah, no problem. So, so yes, Nev, we're going to... Uh, just one very quick thing, just before we go. Um, I just, as you do, hey. I've printed out the, uh, the runway layout. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so whereabouts are you then in relation to the map? Uh, well, we're sort of somewhere where my little finger is in, in the middle there. But yeah, okay. The, uh, the, the funny thing is that there's this uh, runway here, which is one of the newer ones, I think, which oh. is uh, 18 right, 36 left, and it is miles away from the main terminal area. You Ooh. land there, and there is 25 minutes of taxiing just to get to the main um, <laughs> thing. So when it says that the flight time is an hour and 20 minutes, it actually means the flight time is 45 minutes plus the usual 15 minute sort of fiddle factor, but it's actually 20 to 25 minutes taxi at wow. a good 30 knots um, to get into the um, terminal area. So I mean, that must uh, a be, huge difficult for airport for such a, a small country. Fascinating. Yeah. It, mind you, it is, it is quite famous as a big hub. I know, for example, Norwich, um, you know, if you want to go international from Norwich, it, everything goes via Schiphol. So it is literally yeah. Norwich to, to Schiphol, and then you go off to wherever it is that you want to go. So I've, And I don't think Norwich is alone. I think a lot of regional airports use that as a, as a main hub to move on out. But that must be a serious concern for the... Um, for the uh, the uh, operators, if you like, to because you know you've got to factor that that because it's unusual to be taxiing for twenty or thirty minutes um, yeah. from the runway. I mean that you know that that's got to have an effect on load factors for fuel and and things like that. 
Yeah, I think they've, they've done it here, though, for environmental reasons. So right. that the, uh, the, this main runway, which is over 12,500 feet long, so yeah. it's one of the, the, the longer runways available, that's actually quite remote, and that's probably done for a reason because uh, all, all a lot of traffic uses it. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, from a timing point of view, it must, they must always have to factor it in, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're going to ask the same question to you then, Nev. Obviously, what was the highlight? Uh, I mean, you and I obviously had quite a technical experience, I think is the best <laughs> way to describe it at uh, yes. at the results of which I, I'm still very proud of. was the A380. Um, yeah, oh, good. And, and, and the quite aerobatic <laughs> nature of that aircraft yeah. at, at Farnborough. It, obviously, it was very light, I would imagine, but yeah. uh, absolutely mm. extraordinary handling capabilities for, for such a large aircraft. And, uh, of course, you can't really uh, get the perspective of the size of it and, until mm. you're up close to it. And there's yeah. this huge aircraft with these massive wings that's uh, doing um, uh, you know, a display as, as good as it was. Yeah. Um, really, really uh, fascinating to see it and uh, also good that the weather was nice as well wasn't it the, it was, the yeah, we, we were there so. we're so lucky really we had a yeah. couple of great great days weather wise weather wise for it mm. i mean mm. it was oh, it was just it was just stunning wasn't it yeah, yeah. absolutely so what so so you, what what uh, other things you guys got planned today obviously you're going to go now and have a good uh, good old breakfast Yes, I mean, we're not short of food here, I can tell you. My goodness me, I've never seen so much uh, Dutch food in, in one place in, in my life on, on this table. I, I can't actually show it to you because we're having to sort of uh, put the uh, computer around one way, but I'll, we'll take some pictures of it and send yeah. them over to you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to have some food. Uh, we're going to do a recorded piece for the APG show, which uh, Jeff and the guys can, can play in at a later date. Cool. Um, and then we'll take some uh, video for you guys as well, um, just yeah. as we're walking yeah. around the observation deck here. It's oh, a really good. nice change actually to to have such a huge airport with, with a lovely observation and, mm. and public area and um, it's something we, that we, airports don't do this these days do they they don't sort of uh, cater for the AV, AV geek these days not like they used to yeah absolutely yeah. I mean I remember years ago I was used to, used to spend a lot of my time on top of the Queen's building at L London Heathrow mm. uh, that, that that closed ages ago yeah. I think probably Manchester has got the, one of the best viewing parks yeah. uh, in the UK yeah. uh, but certainly most of the UK um, uh, airports are you know very much discourage you from uh, from looking at uh, yeah. aircraft and, and hanging around any longer than is necessary rubbish, yeah it is yeah, rubbish, yeah, rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. well look we're not going to delay you any longer guys thank Enjoy you so much enjoy the rest of your days Get, yeah. if you just pan the camera and give us all a wave everyone yeah, yeah, yeah so seriously guys snapshot yeah from all of us guys here thank you very much for taking the time to chat just thanks Nev obviously for your technical skills and don't forget don't forget to take a big selfie of you all yourselves together and send that to us and we'll stick it on the website on the website yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah of course yeah i think we've already done that actually yeah. excellent so, oh, good, uh, good. yeah yeah, yeah. Get across excellent yeah. yeah brilliant but uh, thank you very much guys for your time today and no uh, yeah really nice to be able to talk to you lovely uh, job good. and enjoy your day yeah thank you cheers guys take, take care, care everyone bye bye, bye. bye. so we're going to start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the uk so if you're ready matt yes i am let's go <laughs> So our first news story this week then is on the news.com.au. It was an Australian uh, news uh, is it? news oh, that's company. Good. Yeah. So the uh, headline: Australian co-pilot Jeremy Webb ran for life after Emirates plane crash landing and caught fire in Dubai. For those of you who followed the news for this week, you would have known that uh, there was uh, that uh, crash in Dubai of that triple seven dash three hundred, and uh, that uh, well. 
there was a, quite a few videos on social media that um, yep. made me quite um, Feel angry. Un, un, oh, right. Um, well, yeah. But anyway, the story, uh, uh, Sydney well, You can't pilot, leave it there. Go on, explain. Oh, we'll get to the end. Okay. A right. Sydney pilot and uh, another Australian ran for their lives after the Emirates crash. It emerged a plane tried to regain altitude before it hit the ground. Transponder data and air traffic control communications, uh, if confirmed by the plane's black boxes, indicate the flight crew of uh, EK521 was starting to go around for a second landing attempt when something went horribly wrong. Transponder data from the uh, Boeing 777-300 obtained by aviation website FlightRadar24 uh, show the plane descending uh, coming close to the ground at uh, 12.37 p.m. local time before altitude readings and vertical speed readings suddenly increased, indicating the start of a go-around. Uh, that came around the same time an aircraft, uh, an air traffic control uh, recording also had uh, um, someone calling out the flight's number and saying returning to 4,000. Uh, it indicates that there was some kind of effort to try and gain altitude, Mikhail Robertson, a co-founder of Flight Radar 24, said. But within 12 seconds, the aircraft ascended uh, and struck the ground, apparently bouncing back up briefly before coming down and stopping, according to the data. Investigators have recovered the black boxes from the wreckage, which uh, comprises of the cockpit voice recorder and flight data recorder. Uh, while the runway uh, reopened uh, later on in the week, Dubai International Airport uh, didn't resume normal operations uh, until at least uh, 48 hours after the airport was opened because of the backlog of cancelled flights and delays. Um, at the time of the crash landing, uh, it was uh, it was midday, so it was it was quite hot outside. But uh, I've seen the videos uh, posted. Obviously, there's a lot of videos on social media, on YouTube, and it does. There's quite a few different angles of the crash. Um, which show one of the um, videos actually shows the aircraft literally just after it had come to a standstill um, and there was also a video posted on I think it was maybe one of the um, uh, airport sites for Dubai yesterday right. that show the uh, the aircraft which has been broken up into two pieces and is being taken oh. away um, by uh, low loader lorries right. uh, with the sections of the aircraft on because the aircraft was completely gutted out um, yeah. We've got a picture there on the screen. For those of you on YouTube, you'll be able to see there's a photo there, also obviously with the blaze in full swing there, and you can see the emergency escape slide mm. at the rear uh, door there. Um, but the engine on, uh, on, the, on the other side of the aircraft, which you can't see, was the, one of the ones that was, uh, was ripped off in the crash. Um, but it was one of the videos that really uh, annoyed me on uh, social media, Mm. was uh, the one that showed inside the aircraft on the evacuation with oh, people yeah. people yeah, grabbing that. their over, uh, their bags and suitcases yeah. from the overhead bins as they were getting off um yeah. i mean this aircraft was smoking the fire was starting to you know take to hold, take yeah. hold and yeah. there you've got people um getting their cases and and uh you know and of course and it's, it's, it's worth mentioning also that whilst everybody on the aircraft uh, uh cabin crew and everyone all got off yeah. uh, there was sadly a fireman who who yeah. did lose his life um, um, dealing with with the blaze? So uh, yeah. you know, it's. Uh, I mean, ov obviously, you know, it's good that all the passengers got off safely, but it's yeah. very, very unfortunate and sad that one of the firefighters, mm. as Matt said, 
lost his life. Very, while while very we are talking about aviation um, issues or disasters, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. I think it worth just mentioning. Glenn Towler just said in the chat room here, and I've just looked the story up, um, but also there was a, a, uh, 11 hours ago uh, was the story was uh, reported, so sort of like overnight, a historic replica airplane, the Bugatti 100P crashes uh, near Burns Flat pilot and designer uh, Scotty Wilson also died, or died yeah. unfortunately, so that's very not sad. been a good week. It's not been a good week, um, but uh, I won't I won't go too much into that story, obviously, because um, we don't know all the facts yet. But uh, if you if you Google um, Bugatti uh, crash, which is mm. what what I did just now when Glenn mentioned it in the chat room, uh, yeah, so it's very sad. So it's a Bugatti 100P uh, and its pilot, sadly, Scotty Wilson has. Uh, uh, died in the crash and as well. Very Mike sad. has just put in the chat room as well that apparently two skydivers perished yesterday in California as well. Really? So, oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, been a, not been a good start to August. No, it's not. Either, no, so. it hasn't. No, I think it's safe to say that. But moving on, yeah, moving on, on to, to more things brighter. Uh, really? Story for you, Matt, <laughs> okay. on, uh, on Travel Mole, this one. Oh, okay, and and this is uh, one that one of one of the friends of the show pointed us in the direction of yesterday, yes. actually, in, in our our chat room. Uh, I think he's in the air, unfortunately, so I can't... He probably no, he's in... Oh, he's there in he is. Oh, there he is. Yeah, so it's uh, it's entirely his fault that we're reading this story out. Uh, it is... Uh, a Travel Mole is the website, and the headline is Ryanair sets new airline record. Uh, Ryanair claims it has become the first airline to carry more than 11 million passengers in a single month. That's a huge... That's statistic. a lot of passengers. In July, a 12% rise in traffic pushed the airline's total to 11.3 million passengers. During the month, it sold 96% of its available seats. That's an amazing, that's an amazing statistic, isn't it? 96% of all seats available were full. Spokesman Kenny Jacobs, who we often hear from giving out these various reports, said these record passenger figures were delivered at lower fares and thanks to the continuing success of our Always Getting Better programme, which continues to win new customers and new markets despite yet more French ATC strikes and continuing post-Brexit market uncertainty. Our customers, and in particular families, are flying in even greater numbers uh, this summer thanks to Ryanair's low fare, lower fares that are already down 10% versus last year. Actually, I, I, I probably I don't know whether I should say this, so you'll have to tell me if I've got to cut it out afterwards. Um, but one of the things that Captain Al was talking to me about when when we were talking about my fear of flying and all that kind of things, so they sort of various counselling uh, yesterday by Captain Al. Uh, one of the things that he mentioned is like because you, you always sort of assume like like, and I, I, I'm using Ryanair as an example. I'm using Ryanair and BA as an example because it's like if you, I'll be honest, if you have a choice between flying with Ryanair. Or if money isn't an object, sorry. Oh, if money's not an object, yeah. And you've got a choice between but going with (laughs) Ryanair or um, BA, then obviously in my head I immediately go British Airways. Mm. One thing that was interesting is bearing in mind the load factors that Ryanair have here. in all the time that they've been flying, which is what, nearly 30 years? I think it's 30 yeah, years it's, now. It's, it's they've quite just a few years, yeah. A, a, yeah. The one thing that did come out, come out of that is that BA have had f- far more hull losses yeah. than Ryanair yeah. have in their that's, 30 That's a history. fair point to make, yeah. And in fact, Ryanair have had zero hull losses in their 30-year history. They've yeah. had incidences, don't get oh, yeah, me wrong. There's incidences all the time, and for anyone who follows um, and Aviation that was a, Herald, you'll to, know. To be brutally honest, that was a very sobering piece of information um, that... that uh, they were founded, it, they actually were commenced operations in 1985, Yeah, Ryanair. Yeah, exactly. Mm. 
Yeah, no, food for thought there, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bit of a sort of sobering thought, really, mm. actually. Yeah. Um, but um, and you think the amount of rotations and stuff a day that yeah. Ryanair do, yeah, the amount did. of their aircraft. I mean, you've only got to look on, on like I said, Flight Radar Twenty Four yeah. in over yeah. the UK, and there is literally hundreds yeah. of uh, Ryanair flights buzzing across Europe yeah. all the time. I, I um, will, I will double check that I'm okay to to put that out, obviously, because at the moment we've, you know, only those in the chat room are hearing this, and mm. this this isn't available afterwards. Obviously, I think it's a fair comment. I don't think there's yeah. going to be an issue with that. Yeah, but yeah I, will, I will double check. Yeah. I will double yeah. check those those figures before um uh, before we do so the next news story on the business ah hang on uh, Cap captain al's just oh, appeared captain in al. the chat room did you did you hear what i said a, a moment ago am i okay to put that out or do i need to to take that out he's only just dipped in briefly okay we'll find out we'll see find what he out says. Out he says. yeah okay so the next story then on the business traveler site uh and uh this one is regarding ba who we've just been talking about yeah and uh, british airways have completed their uh stop because if I have to cut that out, you can't because I won't be mentioning it at all. Okay. So just just say it without that bit. Sorry. And the next story is on the business traveller side. <laughs> all right, and if you could do it without sounding quite so peed off at me, that's <laughs> there isn't going to be an issue with that. I can assure you. No, okay. All right. And uh, the next story then on the business traveller uh, site and uh, regarding BA and British Airways completes their uh, Boeing seven four seven refresh. Uh, we've got some pictures to come up in a bit, but uh, British Airways has completed its refit of all 18 uh, of its older Boeing 747-400s. Uh, the refit has been going on for 12 months, and the first refreshed Boeing 747 debuted uh, last September on the New York to JFK route in uh, 2015. Uh, the uh, refit sees the Boeing 747s having a refreshed interior, uh, new in-flight entertainment system, as well as an increased Club World cabin, uh, an extra 16 seats. Internally, these uh, 747s are referred to as Super High J uh, because of the increased number of J seats, uh, business class seats. In total, BA has 40 747s with three different configurations. Uh, in terms of business class seating, the number of business class seats differs from 52 to 70 to 86 seats, depending on premium demand on a particular route. Uh, the final refurbishment 747 goes back into commercial service uh, on the or this week on the 4th of August uh, as BA117 on the Heathrow to JFK route. Uh, Troy Warfield, British Airways uh, Director of Customer Experience, said that... Um, we all know customers who fly the revamp 747s really appreciate the improved interiors with their mood lighting, better seating and new state-of-the-art in-flight entertainment systems making their flight just uh, fly by. The engineers made these amazing aircraft look and feel like new with enhanced comfort and cutting-edge technology and cool clean design. Uh, BA says that across all 18 aircraft, uh, the 11-month refit has involved 61 miles of wiring for the new Panasonic wow. EX3 in-flight entertainment systems, uh, enough new carpets to cover 34 tennis courts, uh, nearly 6 miles of new LED lighting, uh, and 4,500 new light fittings as well and also fabric changes to 4,950 seats. Uh, the new carpets and seat covers and mood lighting have all been fitted throughout each aircraft to match the new colour palette of the airline's new A380s and 787s, including new seat foams uh, and new seat covers in the World Traveller and World Traveller Plus to increase comfort. 
That's going to be. I, you know, mm. I still, I still need to fly on BA. I haven't flown on BA no. yet, and I need to fly on BA. Nev's the man to talk to when when it comes yeah, to absolutely. BA because yeah. he is the BA man, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sponsored by. Sponsored yeah. by, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, on to the next story, which uh, is a bit of a, of a technical one for you. Good, man. good. I do like that. Uh, it's a breaking travel news. Is the website, and the headline is iPass brings Wi-Fi connectivity to United Airline passengers. Uh, iPass has entered into an agreement with United Airlines to provide customers with Wi-Fi access to the United Airlines Wi-Fi in-flight network. United Airlines passengers who are iPass customers will benefit from a secure, frictionless... What's frictionless? <laughs> That's an unusual way of describing it. A secure, frictionless Wi-Fi experience as they move from the airport terminal... Oh, I see. From the airport terminal to the United Airlines aircraft and beyond, utilising a single service. In an increasingly connected world, uh, ubiquitous reliability, reliable and secure connectivity has become a requirement for mobile professionals, said iPass chief Gary Griffiths. In-flight is a critical venue for keeping United Airlines and iPass customers connected, and United Airlines is an essential addition to our in-flight offering. We are delighted to enter into this partnership with United Airlines. The rollout is scheduled to commence during the fourth quarter of 2016 and once complete uh, will provide eligible customers with Wi-Fi access across United's entire Wi-Fi enabled fleet of more than 700 wow. aircraft, the world's largest high-speed satellite enabled fleet. United is dedicated to giving our customers the choice to be productive, relaxed or entertained in flight, said Scott Wilson, United Vice President of Merchandising and E-Commerce. Working with iPass enables us to further deliver on that promise for our customers who will benefit from faster logins and greater e of connection. Owen's quite right. Just put in the chat room. I wonder how much this Wi-Fi is going to cost because obviously there are costs in you know with all the Wi-Fi's that the airlines offer. They don't they don't give you free Wi-Fi access. No, no, um, no. The only time I've ever had free Wi-Fi access was with Emirates, and that was because we were delayed. So they right. gave they uh, gave uh, the as aircraft a, as, a, as a sweetener. Yeah, as free Wi-Fi. But uh, I'd love to. If any airlines are listening, uh, any CEOs of any airlines are listening, and want me and Matt to come and test the speed <laughs> of their Wi-Fi. We're more than happy to come yeah, and do a live absolutely. show from on board one of your aircraft. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Like, they need the upload. Like, yeah, I can say you need quite <laughs> strong upload speeds for that. I, 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 can't, I would love that. Yeah. Do you know what? I think that should be our goal for okay. uh, the 200th episode. Is to do one would be to do a live, episode, a live show from on board an aircraft. Ooh, that would be... Okay, <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not even sure how to begin to try and work that out. We might be able to do it in a GA aircraft, okay? Uh, Glenn Towers, but GoGo has a great new service on their 737 test aircraft. Okay. 40 megabytes per second. Ah, that's incredible. Mm. What, up or down? That's, I think that's download. Yeah. We, we need upload. We, yeah, we, yeah. Are, we are upload hungry here at uh, PTUK for the uh, live yeah. shows. Yeah, we, so are, we are a bit thirsty we, on our We love upload speeds, speeds yes, yeah. Well, because we try and broadcast in 720p we for do. those of you who do watch it on YouTube. And uh, that requires at least 2 megabit in order mm. to be able to do that stable. Uh, connection anyway so the next story uh, is is kind of one that kind of kind of goes in with some of the stories we've we've had in the past on the show Matt and it's on Travel Mole's website uh, Jet 2 based here in the UK up in Manchester uh, are banning alcohol sales on morning flights so, on morning flights. On morning flights. Oh, so that's Jet terrible. Two, that's terrible news for all alcoholics everywhere, isn't it? I know. Yeah. <laughs> the Jet Two will ban the sale of alcoholic uh, drinks on board its morning flights 
in their latest bid to tackle a rise in uh, disruptive and abusive behaviour among passengers. It said the groundbreaking move will be introduced from uh, Monday across all their bases. Mm. Uh, the airline's also calling for airports and retailers to follow its lead and also ban alcohol sales before 8 o'clock in the morning. Wow. It's also encouraging industry partners to support their call for uh, fully sealed bags for alcohol purchased in airports to stop illegal consumption uh, of alcohol uh, during flights. It's also been trialling the bags at Manchester's and Glasgow, uh, Glasgow airports. Um, they believe the sale, stopping the sales of alcohol before 8 o'clock on morning flights is an effective way to ensure everyone has an enjoyable and comfortable journey. The announcement is part of the airline's clampdown on bad behaviour on its flights, which has seen more than 500 passengers refuse travel since 2015. Uh, with over 50 of these given lifetime bans. Wow. That's like having a pub in the air, Matt, yeah, and yeah, being yeah. a landlord and barring someone. <laughs> Um, I, I think it, I think it worth mentioning. I mean, Jet Two have featured quite highly when we've been talking about stories yeah. uh, involving alcohol. alcohol. Uh, they do seem to have had the, the the bad run of luck, shall we say, with disruptive passengers. Yeah. Uh, if, certainly, if the media is anything to go by, and um, for whatever reason, if if they aren't experiencing any more than any others, it seems to be Jet Two that keeps <laughs> featuring highly in it. Glenn Towers really put five hundred. That's nuts. <laughs> well, yeah. Indeed, it is. Indeed, absolutely. it is. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah, that is a hell of a lot of passengers to uh, to. You know, to, to well, to, to bar. bar, yeah, yeah. absolutely. To, well, it's literally the bar, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. Give it, it a, a pub watch ban. Perhaps they should have a, a thing a called plane watch. Plane watch ban, yeah. Absolutely. Like we have pub watch here in the yeah, UK for do, people yeah. who are naughty in pubs. We should yeah. have plane watch. Yeah, it, it, it's a funny one though, isn't it? Because as I say, they do seem to have the run, bad run of luck. So I do understand why they why they've gone down that route. Because mm. it, 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 it's it, a good idea. They have had a well, no, it's not. It is a good no, idea. No, it's not. alcohol on those no, morning flights. No, 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 it's not. No. No, I'm sorry. It's the, it's the only time of the year when I go on, I go on my <laughs> annual drink holiday, alcohol. that I feel not bad <laughs> drinking a pint of cider at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I suppose, yeah. And I that am. small avenue of unique pleasure because I haven't got to, I've already done my driving, I'm done, you know. And mm. to be fair, we've probably, you know, in most cases, because we live so far away from a damn airport, mm. it, yeah. you know, we've been up for six hours before before we get to the airport. So Next time you fly from Stans to Matt, yes. treat yourself to a number one lounge package. A what? It's not expensive. Number one lounge. Ooh. at Stansted. Well, you can that fly them, you can use it with Ryanair because it's right near their gates. Okay, Stansted. handy. I like it. Uh, and uh, you get a package deal which includes fast track security, parking, Ooh. and the lounge I access. I like all of those. And yeah. when you get the lounge access, you get, you get uh, yeah. unlimited um, drink. So you can have Jameson's or whatever, oh, lovely. whatever yes. your tipple is in the in the. Uh, the legend that is Captain Al has got a great idea here in the chat room. How about an extra charge for alcohol on board upgrade? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what we want. So if you're willing to pay more, you can have alcohol at six o'clock in the morning in the aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, spent, uh, there's uh, a definite revenue street. Uh, Ryanair listening, obviously. Uh, <laughs> there's an opportunity. Obviously, pilots don't touch alcohol Ooh, before they're they locked, fly. They're locked away. In. They, they're locked they're away, locked away, away in, their, yeah. in their little uh, their little cubby hole, aren't they? But, uh, so next story, another another uh, technical one Ooh, for good. you, Matt. Excellent. Another, right. another, yes. another. Okay. This is on the Breaking Travel News website again, and the headline is Iceland Air offers flights through Facebook Messenger now. I, I think we covered a story last week, didn't we, where they, yeah. where people were using uh, if, if you, you you just had to put 
sends to Facebook through Facebook Messenger your flight details, and then while you were in the I airport, what airline it was, that was. I can't remember. Long. Yeah, it was only last week as yeah, well. It was last week. Embarrassing. Memory uh, <laughs> And, and it, they, they were giving you updates and details about what your gate, your gate number, and everything was in the airport, which I think was which is a brilliant idea. But anyway, Iceland Air is offering passengers the option of booking their next transatlantic flight through Facebook Messenger. The Facebook Messenger stopover bot whatever one of those is, uh, is the newest example of the rising trend in uh, conversational commerce. Available 24-7, the new bot makes it easier than ever to book an Iceland Air stopover by bringing the point of sale directly into to the customer, allowing passengers to book flights directly from Facebook Messenger. The stopover bot is also an efficient customer service tool that can, together with booking and search functionality, uh, answer commonly asked questions with quick content-rich answers combining text, photos, and even video. Um, the Director of Marketing and Business Development at Iceland Air, whose name I'm not even going to begin to attempt to get right, uh, comments, we want to constantly improve the travel ecosystem for customers starting from the very beginning of their booking experience, placing Iceland Air ahead of the game and making flight bookings available through Facebook Messenger marks the commitment to our customers. We know what platforms our customers use and want to embrace new ways to communicate and offer valuable interactions with them in that space. Though I was thinking, uh, through, through this thinking, we're hoping to position ourselves as more than just an airline, but as an, a software company and the launch of the stopover bot is another step towards our aim of customers being able to book a flight anywhere at any time. Developed with research um, f uh, that shows the popularity of messaging apps and consumer insights surpassing that of social media, Iceland there worked with uh, a company, uh, is it, I want to say Travelier, uh, in developing this first phase, the ability to book, book outside the website using... Uh, using Facebook Messenger. The project's second phase, additional functionality for enhancing the user experience is currently in development. So do you have to add Iceland there as a friend on Facebook or something to get well, this I know, to Well, I know, because um, you, you do get chat apps, even in our own Facebook page, You do you, the chat app will work with Plain Talking UK so people can send us a message through Facebook Messenger directly mm. to us. And I noticed this morning when I was looking at the thing, it was, it was talking about offering your customers similar automated responses. Um, when I was uh, doing the Facebook push first thing this morning, so mm. it is obviously something that Facebook are, are actively pushing towards business That's related users. People, uh, lots of people use mm, Facebook Messenger. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, um, so it's it's good. In fact, quite often I use Facebook Messenger as a way of complaining about terrible customer service I've received, uh, and you usually get a very very fast response, Twitter, much much actually, faster than, um, than than you do if you send them an email or anything like that. Following up, that's a good segue actually into uh, a, a kind of uh, an offshoot story that I had. Yeah. Um, someone I know, I actually, actually, someone I know on Facebook yeah. has uh, this week flown out to um, Turkey with uh, Thompson Airways. Right. And they flew out to Ant and Antalya, Antalya, Antalya in Turkey. Mm. And uh, they flew with Thompson uh, from Stansted. And they were due to depart at five fifteen in the in the evening. Yeah, and they eventually took off at half nine due to a, a delay that was not explained to any passengers. They were just told right. it's delayed. Okay, and uh, so that's over a three hour delay. Wow, so it's uh, a big delay. So it's, so it's over a three hour delay. So the compensation kicks in after three hours, yeah. and uh, they got a five pound snack voucher. 
ooh, that's not really enough, is it? For for uh, <laughs> for the worries and stuff. Yeah. Um, they made up some time by flying a slightly different route. I should imagine they had a tailwind on the way. Right. Um, but you know, the you know, t- my friends had obviously they got ch- you know young children and stuff, and uh, obviously it's a struggle. You know, you've got children who are tired, mm, and yeah. and you're tired yourselves. And uh, she contacted us here to see about uh, how how the compensation rules are. Mm-hmm. So I looked up online. I was I was a little I was quite sure what they were, but. Um, the rules actually are that uh, for any delay of three hours or more, you're entitled to a set amount of 400 euros, right. which works out about 335 quid. Okay. Uh, and the law so essentially a meal voucher was not enough. Yeah, the law does state <laughs> that any delay over three hours of a flight of a distance between 1,500 and 3,500 kilometres, um, which their flight was 1,810. Um, they're entitled to that, so so quite. I thought I told her to go to Twitter because mm-hmm. Twitter is a great way of complaining yeah. about uh, okay. flying and stuff. Uh, and then go obviously if you get no joy with Twitter, then go direct to Thompson yeah. and try and you know see what you can do. Al's asking a chat on what time did they actually arrive? Uh, they arrived at nine thirty in the evening. Right. So uh, they were due to uh, due to. Well, let me get back to here. Let me get back to the uh, message yeah. here that I've got. I'm saying actually, was this Thursday by any chance? The whole airport was unbelievably delayed. Uh, yeah. So sorry. They uh, they were due to depart at five fifteen in right. the evening, and they didn't depart till nine thirty. Right. So they okay. Which that's um, from Stansted. Right. Yeah. That okay. was um, that was um, yeah. yeah that was early this week. Uh, with so, but, but by the sound of it, it wasn't just them that that were having problems. It sounds mm. like it was airport wide from from the chat, the conversation in the chat room here. Um, but I think know. I think uh, a fiver is um, is probably not enough. Not but then enough, that's down to the individual airline, isn't mm. it? I, I suppose. It's but there are laws in place so to right. protect passengers okay. it, it, with the you know when the like because obviously uh, airlines have insurances and stuff yeah. to, to cover these the, sorts the, of the things. The trigger so. for compensation is arrival time, not departure time. Apparently. No, they didn't arrive. Cool, they didn't arrive till later than that then. Because right, obviously okay. they were supposed to uh, take off at five, well, quarter past five, and didn't take off till half nine. Okay. So it's quite a fair delay they had, I think. Yeah. The trigger for compensation is the arrival time. So whatever time they landed is is whatever, so as long as it was over three hours. Yeah. Whatever the flight from um, yeah. Stansted to Turkey is um, was how long yeah. from nine thirty onwards. So whatever that is works out. But uh, oh, right. and, and to go even deeper, it's when the first passenger door opened. <laughs> Well, oh Thanks, dear. Captain Al. Any excuse, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, next story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next story is one that Matt posted on our Facebook page this week, early mm. in the week, and it's on Flight Global. And it's the uh, 737 that was damaged in an accident at uh, Bergamo. Yeah. Uh, so, Italian authorities have opened an inquiry into the Boeing 737 400 overrun at Bergamo Oreo Al Sirio, which seriously damaged the aircraft. The ASL Airlines jet, operating in the colours of express service DHL, came to rest on its fuselage underside on a road. Wow, that really is on the road. <laughs> it's probably uh, on the road, Images yeah. from the scene confirm the aircraft as bearing the Hungarian registration, uh, Hotel Alpha, Foxtrot Alpha, X-Ray. And uh, uh, here we go. Fleets Analyzer database lists the airframe as a 25-year-old example, which operated for Qantas before transferring to Airwork, where it underwent freighter conversion. Uh, the aircraft has been substantially damaged in the overrun, losing uh, both its CFM International 56 uh, engines, uh, its main landing gear, and fracturing its horizontal stabilizer. Uh, Italian investigation authority ANSV says the aircraft had been arriving after conducting 
Flight 7332 from Paris, Charles de Gaulle. And the accident took place at uh, just before or just after four o'clock in the morning. Uh, the uh, the investigation team have started their inquiry, and uh, they're obviously going to find out what quite why what happened here. Mm. Um, but I mean, judging by the uh, the weather, if you look at that picture there, uh, which shows obviously not uh, long after the uh, the incident, I mean, it looks a bit wet. Right, it's a, a tad okay. damp so there. So slipped. possibly weather could have been uh, a factor, a possible factor yeah. on uh, on that flight. But uh, but the, both the uh, the pilots mm. and stuff got to have that uh, okay. So yeah. Yeah, not not m- maybe the stuff inside was uh, you know. <laughs> if we've actually we've got a, we've got a delivery uh, story for the last story actually. Have we? Yeah, okay. it's quite exciting. Oh, so the right. next story yeah, is next story. all yours, Matt, and um, get your uh, get your loans and your wallets oh, ready for go. this one. Right, this is on the ITV News website, uh, and uh, the headline is motorist at standstill given over eight hundred pound parking fine. Oh dear, here we go. Uh, a motorist who refused to move his vehicle from a no-waiting area at Stansted Airport today, this is on the 3rd of August, notched up what may be the highest ever penalty for a single parking misdemeanour. Uh, Lorenzo Petroni uh, was hit with an £811 bill after being found guilty of failing to move his vehicle after being asked to move by an airport official who had reasonable grounds to believe that he had committed or was about to commit an offence. Chelmsford magistrates fined Petroni, who was was convicted in his absence, £660. He was ordered to pay £85 costs and a £66 victim surcharge in respect <laughs> of the offence committed on the 13th of January this year. Uh, that's, um, yes, ouch, uh, is the long way. <laughs> that's that's but, but, quite a park and fire. But why would, why would <laughs> see, I, I say this again and again, though, but why why don't you move? Like, if you have an official come up to you and say, I'm sorry, you need to move that car, otherwise it's going to cost you a small fortune, why do you why do you say no? Yeah. I refuse. Yeah, that is. What, a bit, what, you um, know, you've been given an opportunity to not be massively fined, and you say no anyway. All right, there is a possibility we don't have all of the details there because it is a rather brief report. But nevertheless, surely if somebody officially tells you to move your damn car, you do as you're told, don't you? Or Especially you just, at an or airport. Just, yeah, I mean, or you just don't park depending there. on where it is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they could have like blown it up thinking it was a threat. You know, and we do live, sadly, in very, you know, disturbing times. Um, it sort of worries worries me a bit that, you know, oh, I don't know. It just makes me cross. It's a lot of money, that. Yeah. 800 quid. <laughs> That's yeah. not, not a cheap fine. Glenn, Glenn also says, actually, why didn't he turn up in court? Yeah, true. You know, I'm sorry. You know, because if you had extenuating circumstances as to why you were parking in this place, I mean, if your car was broken down, surely that's a good excuse. Yeah, but yeah. It, it doesn't say that the vehicle had broken down. I'd, I'd I mean, break I it down thought, anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, yes, fair enough. <laughs> the next story is on Flight Global, and uh, the uh, this the headline: UK probe stabilizer jam on EasyJet Airbus A320. Special story just for Al. This one. Oh dear. Uh, investigators <laughs> are looking into an accident. Uh, Involve an incident involving a jammed horizontal stabiliser which occurred during an EasyJet uh, A320 service to London Gatwick. Uh, the incident, which took place on the 27th of July, is being probed by the uh, UK Air Accidents Investigation Branch, or the AAIB. Uh, but details have been disclosed by French counterpart BEA, which uh, says the uh, aircraft, affected aircraft, had a serial number of 6192. The, uh, this is listed by Flight's uh, Fleet's Analyzer as a two-year-old airframe. 
uh, bearing the registration Golf Echo Zulu Whiskey X-Ray. Uh, the BEA's information is only preliminary, but it classifies the incident during a service from Heraklion in Greece as serious. The authority says the trimmable horizontal stabilizer jammed in flight. It adds the event occur occurred on the uh, Brest flight information region in northwestern France and uh, no further information as to the circumstances of the problem have been disclosed. Well, I dare say that will all come out in the wash, as they say. Yes, yeah. A guest coming in. Yeah, now. <laughs> the door, door flying open <laughs> yes. somewhere. Indeed. But no, that uh, I mean, the, these sorts of incidents and stuff. Obviously, you know, this yeah. this was had a good outcome. It didn't uh, cause any problems. But you know, these sorts of things are what appear on uh, yeah. on Aviation Herald yeah. uh, website. Simon's awesome site, which he um, he produces, which is great to go and look at. Uh -huh. So the last story is a Indeed. picture story. It is um, okay. And it's also um, a story we I think we brought we sort of touched on last week, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, they've released a video on YouTube which we we can't play. But uh, we've got some photos which okay, look good. really yeah. good. Okay, uh, so this is uh, on Flight Global, and the headline is uh, video uh, Amazon releases video of the branded 767F. Now the F presumably the means freighter. freighter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So online retailer Amazon is seeking to raise awareness of its entry into the air freight market, releasing a video and images of its first branded Boeing 767-300ER freighter, an aircraft the company calls Amazon One. Well, mm. that's very original. <laughs> uh, the aircraft <laughs> registration plate, which is November 1997 Alpha, will also fly on the 5th of August. Look at me with my phonetic alphabet. Oh, you're yeah, slightly good. impressed, oh, aren't no. you? Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll also fly on the 5th of August during the Boeing Seafair Air Show held near Seattle, where Amazon is based, the company says in an accompanying media release. The video shows a time-lapse uh, depiction of the aircraft at the paint shop. When finished, it has a white fuselage with prime air overlaid in blue letters. The aircraft's tail is painted black and highlighted with Amazon's logo. Go. So I say we can't play the video, but what we can do is we can Pop show you the, the, picture. the picture up. Yeah, look at that off the website. There we go. For those of you who are Prime members on Amazon, yes, uh, that could be bringing your um, USB stick to you uh, in a package or uh, <laughs> something slightly bigger. Right. Okay. But that's uh, yeah. that's pretty. Uh, that I do like that paint scheme. Yeah. I must admit, I do like yeah, that paint scheme. Nice. Yeah, it does look nice. It does look really nice. Yeah. And it's also very good as well that uh, they're using uh, a Boeing 767 freighter right. uh, for that particular... Okay. Uh, for as that opposed particular, to... Uh, I don't know. An Airbus is what you're saying, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, you're blatant. You're I absolutely know. blatant. Anyway, uh, it is time to welcome our resident pilot. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to to welcome Pilot Pippi. He has a nice little segment for us. Now, uh, we haven't actually had, because we've had a very busy weekend uh, we have, this, yeah. this weekend, and I'm a little bit nervous because the headline on it simply says, Nigel. Yeah. So, uh, brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. This could be absolutely anything as we welcome the legend that is Pilot Pip. To the show. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hello everyone, it's Pip here with something just a little bit different in this week's segment. We're going to take a look at how not to behave on the radio. Now, you know, we all get cheesed off sometimes, we get annoyed, we get angry at things that happen and... Uh, we want to blame other people, take it out on the air traffic controller or other aircraft around us. But, 
you know, there's certain ways you should behave, certain things you say and certain things you don't say. So what I've got here is a little ATC recording, audio recording, of an incident that happened at Dublin Airport, somewhere I've been many times, uh, I guess a couple of months ago now. And this involves, there's a couple of main protagonists in this little tale. Uh, the main one is the British Airways aircraft, Speedbird 81 Delta, I think is his call sign. Uh, the other one is an Air Stobart, uh, which is a, a freight carrier, if you don't know them, flying a turboprop. Oh, I think in this particular incident they're also flying in Aer Lingus colours because they get referred to as both Stobart Air and Aer Lingus. And also involved is the uh, Orion Air call sign, an Aer Lingus call sign, and of course the very uh, patient ground controller, air traffic controller at Dublin Airport. So let's have a little listen, and this is a segment I'm calling, Oh Nigel. It's um, inbound uh, Okay, so that's the very pleasant sounding Dublin ground controller there. Let's continue. So she's just uh, given an instruction to the Speedbird. He was cleared to push and start after the Ryanair has passed behind him. Okay, so he's nose in to the terminal and she's cleared him to push back and start after the Ryanair passes behind. After Ryanair uh, push and start approved, uh, to start Charlie, uh, Speedbird 81 Delta. Robert 96 Papa Lima and uh, just a few items to affect you this night. I'll call you back shortly for push and start. That's the Stobart Air aircraft, which evidently is parked next to the British Airways. Okay, so far, so good. Runner 70 Mike Romeo, monitor tower 118.6, Cabana. Monitor tower 118.6, Runner 70 Mike Romeo, thanks very much, bye. Stobart 96 Papa Lima, Runner 77 to park and stand 125 behind you when they're on stand, push and start to approve to point Bravo. After the Ryanair Park and stand 125, uh, push that is approved to Bravo, Stobart 96 Papa Lima. Okay, that's the Stobart Air again. He's or she has now been cleared to push and start also after the Ryanair has passed. So we've got two aircraft there, the Speedbird and the Stobart have been cleared to push and start after the Ryanair. So the controller's just come back there just to clarify with the Stobart that the British Airways is going to push and start first. Speedbird 81 Delta, ground crew will stop the push because of anything behind us. Yeah, I was trying to call you, sir. Speedbird 81 Delta, they're pushing back to Bravo, so when they're clear, push and start, uh, clear the push and start to Charlie. Okay, so the Speedbird had started their push, but evidently uh, they had to stop, or the ground crew stopped on their behalf because the Air Stobart had also erroneously started to push back at the same time. So nothing wrong with that. A uh, bit of a hiccup there, a bit of a miscommunication. The Stobart's pushed back a bit early, but no big problem. The Speedbird ground crew have spotted that and halted the push. So the ground controllers said, all right, not to worry, uh, let the Stobart go, and then you're clear to continue to push and start. Okay, no big deal so far. Roger, after the Lingus, so uh, we'll push uh, to Charlie. Uh, you should have told us that before, really. Ooh, all right, he's a little bit cheesed off there. All right, I guess I can understand that. I was trying to call you so you weren't listening out, but uh, they were also cautioned to reference you. They were supposed to give way. 
Okay, I've been to Dublin many times. It's a pretty busy airport. There's lots of stuff going on. Perhaps the the way that the airport's laid out is not the most efficient in terms of uh, getting aircraft off stand and away. You've got to, you know, it's almost one in, one out. So it can get pretty busy on frequency. And I can certainly understand how calls can be missed. Uh, you get two or three people transmitting at the same time, and it's very easy to miss a vital piece of information. So evidently, the ground controller has said that she did try to warn the BA that the uh, Stobart had started to push. Again, it's a little bit of a, a cock up there, but no big deal. I wasn't listening out because we were talking to the ground crew, they're telling us the same thing, so you were a bit late. Aha, okay, he's definitely a bit cheesed off. He's He's fighting back now. He's saying he couldn't listen out because he was too busy listening to the ground crew who were conducting his push. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know about that. Um, I don't know what the BA procedures are, but I would imagine one guy is listening to the ground crew and one guy should be keeping a listening watch on the uh, on the active tower frequency or the ground frequency. But hey, never mind. Okay, so we're getting into a bit of a debate here now, a bit of a heated battle. Maybe not an ideal thing to have happening on a busy frequency. Maybe best left for another time or a uh, a quieter frequency, perhaps. Oh, Speedbird, Nigel, you didn't just say that, did you? You didn't just make a sarky comment blame the controller for the for the tiny little boo-boo that's uh, that's kind of unprofessional listening out and uh, not responding but everything's clear now could you push and start to point to charlie and um i'm just too busy to continue any further conversation about this on frequency nice so this girl ain't taking any crap from him she's uh she's explained what happened and she said let's move on no harm, no foul. I'm too busy to deal with this. I've got other stuff going on. Move on with your life. Now, the problem with getting into a debate with air traffic controller, well, as I say, you shouldn't really do that. It's a little bit unprofessional, but you want to pick your battles. Now, here's Speedbird in a foreign country in Dublin, surrounded by other Irish carriers, Stobart, Ryanair, Aer Lingus. So what do you think is going to happen now? Do you think everyone's going to rally to support the British Airways Speedbird guy? Or are they going to, are they going to side with their, their girl up in the tower there? Let's have a listen. Maybe push up stack quicker. Oh, yeah, they're going to side with her. They're coming to her defence. Yep, <laughs> that Speedbird guy's getting no sympathy whatsoever. I think he's dug himself into a little bit of a hole there. Speedbird 81 Delta request taxi. Speedbird 81 Delta, uh, taxi um, Link 4. Left Foxtrot taxiways Echo 1, hold short of runways 34 and 28. Link 4, Foxtrot to Echo 1, hold short 34 and 28. Speed update 1, Delta to advise we'll be finding a, a safety report. Copy, sir, thanks. What? Did he really just threaten her with a safety report? 
live on the frequency. Oh, Nigel, what were you thinking? Ah, oh, you've dug yourself into a hole. Just stop digging. Stop digging. Oh, my God. Exactly. Show sure, 49 Whiskey, um, they should be clear, but uh, just at link 4, give way to outbound British Airways, Airbus 320. They should be clear, though, by the time you taxi forward. Well, well, we see him, all right? We'll give way to him, 49 Whiskey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 81 Delta, Monitor Tower, 118 Decimal 6, the final. 118 Delta, good day. Oh, dear, that's the end of the recording. I hope at the end of that little incident, uh, our friend Nigel was feeling just a little bit red-faced, but come on, guys. Time and a place. Okay, that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. These things happen. Now, of course, there was a serious point now. He'd be well within his rights to be cheesed off and a bit angry of the foul-up, and it would be entirely appropriate to file a safety report. I've got no issues with that whatsoever. There was a, a clear breakdown in communication in procedure and potentially it could have turned into a, a nasty little hiccup. So a safety report is more than warranted. But that whole little exchange with uh, the, the poor girl who's doing is doing a, a great job. I'm sure I've spoken to her many times myself and it's such a busy place. She was uh, on the ball. She was uh, very direct. She had a job to do so she wasn't going to and she didn't have time to engage in, in the silly little argument about that. But that really could have been handled in a, in a very different way. Uh, if, if it was me, I would like to think if I was that speedbird guy, I would have um, made my point and said, hey, uh, we've had to stop the push because this thing happens. The air traffic controller, as she said, would have said, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, he The uh, Stobart went a bit early. And I would probably, I hope, said, okay, thanks very much for the information and then later on if I felt it necessary and I probably would have done that I just would have filed a safety report uh, you know we file safety reports every day for something or other uh, it's not a, you know it's not a personal vendetta against any individual controller it's just you identify it as something that has happened you write a report so someone can look at it and hopefully learn a lesson from it it's um, it's just one of those things but for God's sake don't use a, a filing a safety report as some kind of revenge on someone for, for spoiling your day just in the tiniest little amount. So all in all, just a tiny little bit uh, childish, uh, but uh, an amusing incident nonetheless. But as I say, this is very tongue-in-cheek. I don't mean to pick on poor old Nigel. And incidentally, if you don't get that Nigel reference, uh, in the aviation world, we generally refer to British Airways pilots as Nigel. Why Nigel and where that came from, I don't know, just because it's a sort of a posh name, I suppose, and the BA Speedbird guides tend to have a, a slightly posh um, a posh way of speaking on the radio, I suppose. So I don't know why, but they've just become known as Nigels over the years. So, Nigel, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, not this time, fella. Okay, I had better draw this little segment to a close. I'll be at work all next week, flying here, there and everywhere. Hopefully I'll have time to record another segment for next week's show. But until then, I wish you all safe flying and take care of yourselves. Bye. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network.
So our interview uh, this week is with a very special guest indeed who's uh, joined us uh, from quite some distance away. And uh, this week's guest is Sam Choi. Uh, he is a celebrated aviation enthusiast, blogger, photographer and journalist. And uh, he uh, loves anything to do with aviation. Uh, today, Sam, uh, in his uh, travels, has gone to over 90 countries uh, worldwide and flown over 1,500 flights wow. and logged over 2.8 million miles around the globe to pursue his passion for aviation and travel. Sam's got his own uh, blog page and also uh, puts regular uh, videos on YouTube of all his travels uh, across the globe on some fantastic airlines. And uh, Sam, welcome onto the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to join you, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Great. It's, it's uh, very kind of you to join us, Sam. Cause, uh, where, whereabouts are you at the moment, Sam? So I'm actually in Kuwait. I'm in uh, the uh, Kuwait city. It, it, the temperature outside is... Uh, nearly 50 degrees Celsius. Wow. So, that's quite, that's quite so, <laughs> I don't know, you fancy to be in UK or you fancy to be out here? I don't um, know. I mean, we, we do have a slightly... This is We're in sort of what I like to refer to as nosebleed territory here in the UK as we've peaked at around about 21 degrees today, which is a terrifying temperature for us, but 50 I can't even <laughs> comprehend. My well, I'd goodness. imagine 21 degrees, that's probably the temperature of the air conditioning in the lounge that you sat in, isn't it, Sam? I mean, that, that's an ideal temperature. <laughs> Not outside. Uh, not I'm outside though. No, no. At the moment, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm quite enjoying in the yeah, I'm quite enjoying in the lounging here and uh, speaking with you, of course. Excellent. So, Sam, then uh, for the benefit of the listeners, then tell us just a bit about what uh, what what you actually do. Okay, so I am largely an aviation enthusiast. Um, I do have a day job that working a government public office that really hasn't got anything to do with aviation. Um, so I generally um, consider the aviation as a hobby of mine and I'm very, very passionate to pursuing my hobby uh, to take it to uh, a, a different level. And um, I'm into travel and I'm into flying. Sometimes I'm actually just want to fly, get there, not to actually get there, just want to get on the plane to get there. Um, <laughs> That's pretty much it. It's 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 a bit. It's really just 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 mainly into aviation and the commercial side of aviation, and um, pretty much if you see my website, that's that will give you a very good intro of myself. So some of the videos, Sam, you, you've had some uh, really really great experiences uh, in your travels because you you kind of tend to skip uh, what most of us travel in economy you you uh, kind of skip to the to the top levels you've flown in some very very uh, some nice uh, classes of travel with some of the airlines um, tell us a bit about that well i've been very fortunate and um, i start travel when i was younger and um, i remember i joined the uh, frequent flyer clubs in the early 90s when i was a teenager and um, i was able to pick up some of the inside and outside of things of frequent flyer and and all these frequent flyer schemes and I was able to utilize some benefit out of that um, so a lot of these flights I've done are actually paid very little although they are all paid out of my pockets um, they're not sponsored anything like that um, I was able to use a few um, travel tools 
looking good planning and looking for bargains and utilizing frequent flyer benefit as mentioned a combination of things enable me to travel uh, in, a, in, a, in a fashion that is more affordable and, and keeping an open mindset that I'm willing to travel on most airlines, not confined to very few of them, because that was also what I'm interested in, is travel to as many airlines as I can to review them as well. Wow. So have you had to um, open up accounts with numerous credit card companies? Because uh, that seems to be one of the mechanisms to, to generate uh, frequent fly miles is to, to sign up for, for the airline's associated credit cards. Is that one of the routes that you've taken? Well, that certainly is one of the uh, very obvious uh, routes you can take. Um, every time, many are aware of there are good sign-up bonuses. And... Um, the problem is, if you sign up too many of that, it might affect you. And you, you know, ultimately, the uh, accumulation of the credit card miles after signing up is coming from your spending. So you you really need to look at your finances, whether you are able to keep spending and earning more miles once you sign it up. Um, I would say because I've been also flying quite a bit, so. The accumulation come from various ways. So it might come from credit card. It also come from uh, flying, and also keep an eye out for the bonuses. A lot of airlines these days do give generous bonuses when you fly on the new routes. When you fly a uh, premium cabin, you do earn sometimes even triple miles. So there are various ways of earning miles, and uh, the idea is just keep looking out for some of the news and promotions. So all the airlines you've flown on, uh, Sam, uh, who, who, who would you say has the best kind of mileage program you know, to, to gain miles in uh, sort of the quickest, easiest way? Well, if you asked me this question a year ago, I would give you a very clear answer. There was one a year ago. It was American Airlines. American Airlines had um, one of the best or easiest uh, rates to redeem miles. However, they have, um, again, they have lined up with the industry standard. They have um, adjusted their levels now since second, uh, 22nd of March this year. So uh, believe me that a lot of people, including myself, are still trying to answer your question these days because um, airlines themselves do see a lot of people as being taken good advantage of their frequent flyer program by uh, redeeming miles to travel in a premium cabin lately. Uh, lots more cases and um, so they have done their bit to adjust the level to increase the rates to make it slightly more costlier or more difficult to do or so. Um, at this point I, I think that uh, Singapore Airlines, Chris Flyer, they are still uh, one of those very generous ones um, you know you're allowed to travel with Singapore Airlines and the Star Alliance partners. Um, British Airways also have a very interesting program in their uh, uh, executive club in uh, the avios they uh, they tend to uh, uh, have a lower lower uh, limit or lower criteria to travel uh, for a short flight short haul flights within europe or in uk sometimes last minute they release a lot of empty seats and um, this might have taken uh, cost quite a lot of money if you put to buy last minute airfares but you can use your uh, avios to uh, redeem for just a few thousand avios you can um, exchange for airfare maybe a couple hundred pounds so uh, there are there are quite a few good schemes out there here and there but overall the uh, standard has been revised in the frequent flyer programs 
Well, and presum presumably the um, the goalposts move on a regular basis as well, because I, I suppose you know one scheme that was very good, say a couple of years ago, obviously, uh, you know, the, the goalposts move, and now somebody else is better at it. Exactly. This is this is an industry, and this is a game. It keep evolving around. Um, a lot of smart frequent flyer also tend to move around because someone's off, obviously offer better terms, and then they move to the better ones. Um, so, it really you need to keep a very flexible outlook. Um, don't lock yourself down to only one, and uh, you need to keep looking around for better offers around. You know. I guess you also have to have a slightly more flexible wife than I do because I managed to, to collect a, a whole heap of points with one airline and then she decides that she wants to go somewhere in the world that that airline doesn't fly with and so the whole process starts again. Yeah, uh, believe me, and uh, I mean, I think actually living in the UK is one of the uh, perks. You have one of the perks to have choices of many different ways to go places and most the airlines do become very competitive in UK. So out of Middle East, we have actually fewer choices, um, but they do have a lot of deals going on. Um, so getting back, uh, Sam, um, I've been I've been lucky in the in the, in the past uh, and in the last few years to fly uh, to the Middle East quite a lot with uh, quite a few of the Middle Eastern airlines, uh, Oman Air, Emirates, and Qatar. Um, and for me, Emirates was definitely the one that, that uh, kind of shone amongst all those airlines with the service and level of quality and stuff they provide. I mean, who, who for you, I mean, you've flown obviously pretty much all the airlines across the globe. Um, who, who for you provides, you know, that, that you know, really top, top level of service uh, in the airline industry? Yeah, it's a great question because I get to ask this question quite, a, quite often and I really have to say... Um, it is it is a personal perception of how what is meaning of good services. Um, I personally, it is just a matter of personal preference. I for the Middle East, I would go with Qatar Airways, and I felt like Qatar has a good maintain a good level of consistency that that they have predicted and knowing what a frequent traveler wants. Um, sometimes we even think they are the Singapore Airlines. They kept certainly a very high benchmark. They are the Singapore Airlines of the Middle East. Uh, certainly Emirates and uh, Etihad, these are very, very competitive players, and they also looking very hard on the uh, service, trying to deliver the best. Um, but also there are quite a few other airlines in the Middle East that is sometimes overlooked or you haven't heard of that also. Um, for example, you mentioned Oman Air. Oman Air is a yeah. young airline in is catching up and um, they have bought lots of new planes lately. They have been tremendous. There's tremendous values on Oman Air and they offer a lot of heavy discount tickets and they, um, the product and the service is, uh, believe me, is definitely first class. Um, you know, the passengers still uh, demand for food and drink even if it's one hour inter uh, GCC, what we call inter the Gulf countries between uh, UAE between Oman, between Bahrain, Doha, Saudi Arabia, and those flights, you, you're very lucky to uh, get a free food now in uh, in a flight, maybe in, around US or UK. Yeah. So, um, in the Middle East, you know there are lots of demanding passenger, demanding good services. So that also try to keep the airline's service to be up to scratch. You know. Yeah, we we had an internal flight between Dubai and Oman last year, and I, I, was, I was quite surprised. Like you say, we threw it, I think it was an Embraer 175 with Oman Air. Yep. 
absolutely spot uh, on. It yep. was a, it was like I think it was a twenty five or thirty minute flight. You know, very very short flight, but we still had complimentary drinks and uh, snacks. You know, on such a short flight with Omar there, and the and the crew are really good as well. Um, you know, for such a small uh, small journey, but uh, but. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's. We're, we're hoping this year to go back to Oman and use Oman Air again. So it'll be nice to uh, to see if we can try and get one of their newer aircraft because we've flown on the three thirty with Oman Air, mm. and they were they were quite uh, getting on in age. I think inside the cabin interiors were quite uh, well worn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oman Air has the uh, new seven eighty seven Dreamliner delivery this year. So um, those, from what I understood, is uh, it's been flying to Thailand and it's been flying to uh, Paris and um, I think Zurich and uh, Milan. So um, their London flight, they use the A330 because they have a three-class cabin and um, they have heavy premium cabin for um, a lot of demand out of London, between London and Oman. The royal family flies a lot, so they keep the... Uh, only aircraft three class cabin on the A330 flying between London and um, Oman. So Sam, I've been looking at your video uh, videos that you've got on your YouTube channel and for those of you guys in the chat room or for listening to the audio uh, podcast, you must must go over to Sam's uh, YouTube page. The videos he's got on there are fantastic and they're all in uh, high definition as well, mm. HD. Uh, but some of those the, the classes that you've flown on, uh, Sam, they look absolutely amazing. Um, you know, the 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 is it the La Compagnie you flew, uh, or the the French Air France. Uh, yeah, this is the Air France first class. That's product, the first class, which is called it, yeah. the La Première. La Première, that's um, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, yeah. So uh, this one is one of the probably the best or one of my finest um, first class experience out of all the first class I flew. Um, this one really look after the uh, passenger from the moment you uh, arrive at the airport. Your experience don't just start from the time you board a plane. This experience started right when you uh, arrive at the airport um, or when you connect into Paris, and um, they will, you know, they will take you in a limousine, drive you across the tarmac to the exclusive lounge, <laughs> and your passport will be. Uh, you know, your your all your bags and passport will be well taken care of. Formality will be taken care of. So you just don't worry a thing, and you relax as what travel should be. And mm-hmm. um, you could have a nice, beautiful French cuisine and wine before your flight, and you can have a spa treatment. You can have wine relaxing down in in the lounge, and then you'll be again chauffeur straight up to the departing plane. And um, they even have a walkie-talkie just to telling the crew. The uh, ground staff will just do the walkie-talkie talking to the crew to let the uh, uh, the uh, flight attendant on the plane ready to know you are coming on board. Um, oh so they have really taken a lot and lots of details in traveling, try to create that seamless experience, not only on the plane, but also on the ground. That really set them apart from a lot of first-class, other first-class uh, competitor because they look after you. They look at the whole package instead of just in the plane, you know. And, so, and of course, suffice to say that, you know, I, I personally really enjoyed the French cuisine and the food. I think on, on Air France, um, you, you cannot fail. You cannot fail to enjoy um, a beautiful French food and um, the, the fine dining they provide. Wow. So, I mean, uh, Shurt in the chat room has asked a question that sort of really relates to what you were you were saying, and, and that is, uh, what do you think uh, the next step for airlines to lure in cli- clients might be? Um, what do you think they can do to improve? 
Well, I, I think, again, uh, I have already given some thoughts about, I think it's the whole seamless travel experience. Um, you know, people are getting increasingly sophisticated and increasingly demanding. Um, you know, the standards just keep rising. We have never seen um, an airline first class with uh, uh, with the doors and the suites enclosure in the past. So now it's a reality. And I think in, in, in the future, I think they, look, they need to look at all the attention onto the details they provide. Um, they need to really put themselves, whoever designed all this service, into the passenger shoes to think about what a passenger value the most, what's the thing they really, um, you know, what's the convenience thing they can make, uh, or what's the most impression they can make out of a passenger paying such top dollar for their flight. Um, you know, they, I f I'm sure they will be sending out lots of surveys trying to, you know, trying to masternize that travel experiences. I think people hate to go through long security lines. People want to be differentiated, want to be treated individually instead of treating as, as collectively as the same and regardless with no difference. So that's the bit I think they need to look after is to differentiate and treat people and individually so uh, to keep their premium passenger happy. To, to make it sort of more personal, essentially, a sort of more one-on-one -on -one type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So res uh, Etihad, uh, Sam, has uh, their residence product. Have you had a chance to try that out yet? No, I haven't got any chance to um, sort of trying, although that is actually on my agenda. And, um, you know, I frequently told my wife, look, I might just going to drop some money to spend on that <laughs> and um, to, to just to have the ultimate experience. Um, I indeed, I actually have um, I have a chance a couple of times I have a, a few chances actually sitting in there um, because it was empty the flight and the um, and, and the flight attendant and the Etihad um, promotion team they have actually say to me that Sam would you like to just sample just maybe sample a meal sitting in there yeah. or uh, you know be show around so I have definitely been showed around and had a look and um, but I still really want the full experience I suppose the only way to do so is to uh, you know to bring your wallets and, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's to, not cheap. to try that yeah <laughs> yeah no. so um, obviously we're talking about Emirates and and sort of the the more famous carriers if you like for, for that sort of thing if we were to sort of stick to Europe uh, and uh, Nick Wilson has asked this in in the chat room here so what would you say would be your preferred European airline for service and network it's it's Ooh, it's difficult because I am I, I I literally I don't travel between Europe very often, right. um, so I'm just really afraid that my opinion wouldn't be very useful for the listeners for our um, for our audience here. Yeah. I still think a network airline would uh, prevail. Um, I'm more old school thinker that I I I I I really like the network of British Airways, and these two are probably the more consistent ones. Although I understand a lot of low-cost airlines flying point-to-point point are very, very useful these days. Mm. Instead of transiting through one of the mega hubs and uh, you could get caught up with more issues during transit. So um, again, I'm more still leaning towards the network airline because um, it recognizes the frequent flyer benefits one of the questions we've had in the chat room, uh, Sam, is have you, I mean, this is going to be a long shot here, have you had the chance to uh, to fly on uh, our famous airline here in the UK, Ryanair? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
you know, I haven't flew Ryanair, although I haven't really been avoiding them. Um, it's just somehow, uh, you know, I don't travel a lot in UK and Europe, and um, I love to have one-time experience on Ryanair. Um, really? I hear lots of different <laughs> stories on Ryanair, but um, but um, I do want and I go by every airline in the world at least one time, so. Right, so so almost by virtue of wanting to uh, complete the entire cycle, you you need to come and fly on. So Ryanair. another question then, Sam yeah. from uh, from Tony S in the chat room, and uh, she's asking which airline would you choose between Virgin, Delta, or Monarch Airlines? Okay, so um, I'm I'm quite uh, I'm I'm not I'm really I really. Don't want to be taken as 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 advisory on this. <laughs> I, you know, I um, I really don't know. Apart from they they have a reputation being a holiday chartering airline. Um, I flew Virgin and Delta. I understand that. So the U.S. airline has trying to improve lately. Um, you know, I, I would say it'd be a close call. Basically, we uh, we understood that uh, <laughs> you were less happy to fly with Virgin and Delta. Uh, that, that's why we understood in the Skype breakup. Because <laughs> Cap Captain right, Al, right, Captain right. Al, who's so uh, I, with I us. haven't flew Monarch. I haven't flew Monarch. Um, I understand that's a holiday charter airline, um, but I think it will be a close call between Virgin or Delta. My choice. This might be a close call between Virgin and Delta, but you've got to look at the whole package. You've got to look at what kind of frequent flyer benefit they offer you, what kind of fares, what kind of product they have on each particular plane on that route you fly. So you might need to do a bit more advanced research, and the answer might be not so, you know, not so uh, common and just straight away I can give you that answer. And maybe you have to look at very closely to the routes, to the, to the detail on that plane they offer, you know. Well, so I must you're, say that's you're a, such a diplomat. I guess that's such a diplomatic answer. <laughs> Very good. So, Sam, obviously, you know, a lot of us here haven't got uh, or haven't got the sort of the, the the points and the miles to travel in in such a class as where you, you, you've got. Um, but obviously, you, you've probably had a chance to travel in economy and most of the airlines. Who, who for you, uh, Sam, sort of gives that that better economy uh, package in your in, in your view? Well, I, I I think that Singapore Airlines has a very very strong economy products. Um, it is sort of setting the benchmark for the other airline to follow. Um, I recently flew economy with Singapore Airlines, having flew a lot of business premium products, and I just could not believe that was what they offering on a three-hour flight. They offer you you know full service, full meals, full wines. Um, you know, entertainment, same, uh, very advanced system, and the crew were very cautious and uh, greeting, even they remember by names at the end of the flight. So uh, I would go with Singapore Airlines, and although Emirates Airline also is very impressive, they always have a very generous offering in meals and in their customer service. So Singapore will be my top choice, and Emirates will be a close second. So, are the all the airports you've flown in over the years, Sam? Are there any airports that you miss? One of the questions we had in the chat room earlier, uh, such as Kai Tak, and are there any airports which have have, have closed, uh, which you miss flying in in and out of? Uh, I yeah, I haven't really paid attention. I I've been to quite a few before they closed. So there is one um, in South America. There is one they call the Kai Tak of South America. 
which is in um, in the country of Ecuador, in uh, Quito, in the capital Quito, Ecuador, and that also um, used to have a, a similar feature like Kai Tak. The plane will bank sharply before they line up with the runway into land. Um, I fortunately visited one time before they closed that and moved on to their new airport. Um, there are a few airports which hasn't closed that I haven't really visited. It's still on my bucket list. Uh, one of them will be in the Portugal, um, in the Maldera Islands. In um, I think the airport name is Funchal. Good choice, Funchal. yes, and you are correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that I heard about there is a football or uh, something like a football pitch below the runway. So yes, it's quite yeah. amazing, quite amazing to uh, hear that. Um, there will be another one, I think, in um, in Honduras. I can't pronounce that name of that airport. It's very it's South America. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. So I, I still <laughs> don't know how to pronounce that. Um, so that one is also quite a interesting one to watch planes. Um, however, I do I can share with you that there's, there's a quite a few really impressive airport at this point that all the audience can go and and they will fully enjoy themselves. We all know St. Martin in um, the Caribbean. That's one of those, the plane will fly, you know, a few feet above the beach coming to land. Oh, wow. uh, that's a great, great place to even bring your family and wife while you can enjoy uh, plane spotting. Um, the other one, I Yeah, really I've tried like. to sell that one to my wife and I, I need to work a little bit more on my selling technique because she's not having any of it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Right, right. right. So the, the other one I really recommend is in Nepal, actually. Oh, it's Nepal, one, of those, uh, one of those world's most dangerous airports. It's actually in Lukla in Nepal. And um, it's not often heard of, but it's, this is very small airport, commuter planes mm. flying there, only propeller yeah. plane can fly. But there's no landing, visual aids, um, accidents do happen every year. And, um, you know, it's very challenging in, in fact, flying into with mountain and terrain surrounding the airport. Um, so if anyone interested, go have a look. Lukla. Nepal is featured on my website as the world's most yeah. dangerous airport and also it's widely considered on Wikipedia on every uh, everywhere you can find online you get this information Lukla um, that would be a very enjoyable airport just to watch planes coming and going because um, the plane tend to rotate last minute and then um, if they don't rotate fast enough they will fall into the valley in front <laughs> so and the run runway has a 12 degree gradient going downward so you take off downward in 12 degrees and then you you know literally rotate just before the end of the runway and flying above the valley and that's how you're getting out of there you know and those of you who are watching actually on youtube obviously if you're listening to this on the the audio download but those of you if you do get the chance if you go to uh, our website as i say we have been playing out uh, in fact that very video while uh, sam was describing it to us as part of uh, the output but um yeah, it's uh, Micah has actually asked a question here. It's like because uh, obviously flying nowadays is a, a lot cheaper than it used to be. I mean, the, the actual costs involved are, are far less. As I say, and Micah, who is uh, frankly a uh, royalty as far as podcasting is concerned, has asked the question: How has the changes to prices paid versus miles flown affected your frequent flyer earning, and how how do you work around it? Well, I can give two versions of the answer. One version would be you would need to look at the cost, work, figure out the cost of the miles. Mm -hmm. What does one mile cost you? 
or you know, or, or looking at you know, making out a, a mathematically a ratio that let's say you pay a thousand dollar for your airfare and you earned a ten thousand miles. So each mile it costs you you know ten cents, something like that. So you need to kind of strike a value and look at the valuation of uh, what does this one mile cost you. So if you look at you want to use your miles, fifty thousand miles will get you a flight to the Caribbean from UK. So the 50,000 miles, what is that 50,000 miles worth? So you're going to compare um, the, the value of what the economy class airfare to Caribbean compare with that 50,000 miles. So I'll tell you the, the trending in the, um, in the industry is that the miles are increasingly devalued. The miles has been increasingly devalued. So there are lots of lots of cheap fares. Fares are very competitive these days. That your your fifty thousand mile could virtually, you know, not worthing much in economy. But then there is a there is a um, um, interesting point that you could leverage these miles. You could accumulate a bit more of these miles, leverage them to use it in business and first class. So it might cost. Um, 10 times the money to travel in business and first from economy and airfare, but it might cost only twice or double the miles required. So you do see that leverage value is coming through when you travel in an upper class or premium cabin. I hope this is uh, clear If for my answer. This is quite a difficult one to explain. Another question for you, uh, Sam. Um, for for those of you, or for, for the list, some of the listeners who who travel long distance on the long haul flights and carries and stuff in economy, I've tried it before myself and managed to have some luck uh, in getting an upgrade. Is that? Are there any kind of hints or tips you can give passengers uh, like like me who who travel who buy economy ticket to possibly get kind of an upgrade, uh, a, a complimentary upgrade into a business or first class uh, place? Uh, yes, so for an upgrade to happen, for a complementary upgrade to happen, really you need to look at two things. One is the loads, the the, uh, the loadings in economy class, whether the, the economy class has been oversold that they would need to find someone to upgrade them to the front cabin. And the other factor is to look at the loads in the front cabin, whether the front cabin is actually full, that there's no room to upgrade. So we need to play with these two factors. And I'll tell you, there is a very useful tool to uh, even to find out these loads by looking at a seat map before uh, or during a check-in. Um, the tool is Expert Flyer. So if you go to www.expertflyer.com, which is a tool I use, it's a pay subscription tool. This tool is a literally a travel uh, GDS like those travel agents use. Um, Sabri or um, Amadeus, these are the travel GDS that this is a web-based tool that brings up the seat map. So you can look at the seat map before you fly and you can do literally bean counting and seeing what your chances are to get upgraded. Um, however, um, your your best chance would be if you're holding a, um, a status with uh, your frequent flyer program of that airline you fly. So if you are a silver or gold member, that they will literally put you in front and you have a higher chance to get upgraded when the economy is full, while there's still room in the premium cabin. Um, like today, I came from Abu Dhabi to Kuwait and um, our flight is actually heavily oversold. We, have, uh, we were even have some volunteers have to left behind. Um, and um, there was one seat 
in uh, at check in, I checked. There's one seat empty in uh, business class, and the economy has got about six or seven oversold. So I just happen to be that lucky person to be upgraded at the uh, gate. So what you're hoping is to, um, when they swipe your boarding pass, that red color will comes up, and that crosses come up that tells you uh, we have to give you a new boarding pass. That means you have been upgraded. Oh, so yeah. does, does it help as well, Sam, with, with what you're wearing and how you how you interact with the uh, check-in staff? I don't believe so anymore, though that's a very, very um, common um, common thing to think of. And people have done that in the past, obviously. Um, it's a combination of factors these days. It's the computer who decide to get upgraded. And uh, many times I've seen people being upgraded has not wear the best outfit, you know, and it's really the... The, um, the loyalty of the passenger towards that airline. Maybe this person has flew a lot. So when it comes to the upgrade list and they will reward the uh, loyal flyer more than um, the people, how they dress. I think the dressing one is an interesting point is that uh, you see a lot of people dress up well. A lot of these actually maybe are on standby where they are actually staff of the airline. That the staff of the airline, they might have a dress code to travel. And, um, and so th that's why you you know, this is a very, very um, interesting point that people often mixed up with this one and thinking that they can dress up better and then they will score an upgrade. I don't think this happens, really. Oh, and I think you should just dress <laughs> comfortably. You should dress as comfortably as you are and just being yourself, you know. And if your luck strike, nothing can stop it, you know, really. And then, you know, you're bound to be the person to get selected and then you will be, you know. Well, we've sort of more or less run out of time, I'm afraid, here, and I think we shouldn't push our luck any longer with, with the Skype, regard to yeah. our Skype links, so uh, thanks for But it's been absolutely great to have you on the show today, Sam. It's been really, really good to speak to you and hear about some of your experiences on the airlines you've flown with. Uh, any, any sort of last-minute tips of advice uh, for any of the listeners on the show uh, for their, uh, for their you know, flights coming up soon? Well, I have just been warmed up. Now I'd like to speak more. Anyway, it's been a great <laughs> pleasure. Uh, um, I'm really enjoying the interview here. Good. Um, yeah, no, fantastic. Well, so if anybody wants to... there and then being cut off, that's really annoying for everyone. <laughs> uh, and I, I think my, my last word, my last word to close this is um, if anyone's more interested in what I do and in yeah, how can to I travel you? in a more affordable way, you can just visit my website. My website is my name, so it's samtree.com. So that's uh, www.samchewy.com. Chewy spelled C-H-U-I. Uh, go to his website. You'll find loads of details there. And you've also got your uh, your page as well on YouTube, haven't you, Sam, with all the, all the great videos that's you've posted? That's right. I, I am on most of the social media, which I am on YouTube, social, uh, YouTube Instagram, and... Uh, and Facebook, of course. So um, you could get me on any of those, and I'm very happy to share more experiences there with you. Excellent. Well, perhaps we can, uh, in the future, Sam, we can, uh, we can sort of uh, grab you again and, and get you back on the show at some point when uh, when you're back at, on sort of home ground. Definitely. That would be my pleasure to speak again. Lovely. Cool. Well, Lovely. thanks ever so much for your time, Sam. Thanks for joining us on the show. And as I said, it's been great to talk to you, and uh, we wish you all the best on your onward travels. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye now. 
The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. So anyway, we have some listener feedback. We have some listener yeah. feedback, and it's audio feedback. It is audio we do love audio yeah, feedback we love because it, yeah. we like to know what yeah. you guys sound like. Because we know what you look like in the chat room. Yep. Because most of yeah, you have little, little avatars, little, little avatars, things, yeah. and pictures and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we have had some feedback, and this is from yeah. the. Uh, of course, early in the show, we had like five bits of feedback as because we had the legend that is Nev. We had yeah, we uh, had Masha, uh, we had Myla, uh, Shud, yeah, and Myla, yeah, and uh, and Fabian, and well done, yeah, yes. Fabian, yeah. But we have had some voice feedback, and this is from the guy who sort of... Uh, who's guilty for... Who's guilty responsible for, the, for my misery for, yeah. for <laughs> the show, but anyway... He's, 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 he's responsible for the yeah. APG meet-up, and yeah. uh, that's Stuart Aslett. So we have some yeah. uh, audio from Stuart Aslett, and we're going to play that out right now. Hi, it's Stuart Aslett, and currently I am standing in Parma di Mallorca Airport, PMI. Uh, we're looking for gate A13, my wife and I. Yes, we are about to. Yeah, she's not very happy about the fact she's a bit superstitious, but uh, each to their own. Um, yeah, we're looking for the Thompson Dreamliner, and Carlos has asked me to do uh, a little bit of voice feedback about the Dreamliner experience. So I shall. Recontinue this recording once we're on board. Okay, so you joined me aboard this Thompson Dreamliner at our cruise altitude, which today is forty thousand feet. No, quite impressive. Just reflecting on my cabin crew days from years gone by on the 737 and the 75 and the 76. I don't generally recall cruising at uh, such high altitudes. And as for the aircraft itself, it is it's a noticeable difference. I, I don't just uh, say it lightheartedly. It really is. It feels spacious. It's it's quieter. In fact, talking of how much quieter on takeoff. Once you've lined up on the runway and the pilots perform the uh, initial engine stabilisation spool up, that just went completely unnoticed to my ear, uh, both leaving Gatwick and again leaving Palmer. The first thing you hear, so far as takeoff is concerned, is the toga thrust. So it's definitely, definitely more quieter on board. The mood lighting, the LED mood lighting is fantastic. I don't know if it's just because of the, the fact we had a very nice crew or perhaps it's a Thompson standard thing, but uh, once we uh, left uh, Gatwick on the way here, they, uh, the cabin crew, just pause a moment. 
just going to recontinue what I was saying now that announcement has finished. Uh, oh yeah, the window blinds, that's what I was saying. So the cabin crew dim the window blinds on departure from Gatwick to the point you cannot see out of the window at all. And uh, they then go through a demo mode of the mood lighting, the LED mood lighting, which is absolutely fantastic. What a nice way to wake up at the end of a long wall flight to an artificial sunrise as opposed to those strip lights just being switched on right in your face. What an absolute wonderful difference. So every seat, every window, uh, and even the windows at all the doors, have the uh, capability of uh, the electronic window blind. You have a little round dial button which has five separate settings, uh, five various shades of electronic uh, window dimming, uh, anything from a slight tint right down to a very dark tint and all the way to a complete, uh, a complete block where you just cannot see out the window full stop. Very impressive. Um, the mistake I made was you're pressing the button and it appears nothing is happening. But what I what I found out is that there's a slight delay from you pressing the button to the window, the window tint adjusting. But yeah, absolutely fantastic aircraft, and uh, it's been great to fly on a Dreamliner. I'm sure Captain Nick uh, would not agree if he's listening, as I'm sure Neville Bounds would not agree. But I'm sorry, gents. I have to say I'm with Carlos on this one. Absolutely fantastic. And we're back. Thank you for that, Stuart. So we've got a slight, uh, slight uh, technical issue in the in the studio at the moment with uh, with the cooling fan in the tower that's uh, uh, starting to. You can probably hear it squeaking in the background there. Matt is currently down <laughs> down there trying to sort the uh, sort the issue out. <laughs> so anyway, so getting back to uh, all that at hand. Yeah, thanks for that, Stuart, sending that in. Um, we are going to be back. Uh, next weekend, hopefully, with uh, another show, as long as the tower's uh, still in one piece. Yeah, it will be. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, I uh, hope you all enjoyed the show. Oh, that does sound really Pardon bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to go off air now before the tower actually blows up. So, uh, from all of us here in the studio. We, yeah, so yeah. hopefully, join us. Look out, look out for the links in yeah. Facebook and, yeah. and Twitter and that. And uh, hopefully, the tower <laughs> will not blow up before the end of the show. Anyway, uh, from all of us here in the uh, Plain Talking UK t- uh, studios, thanks for joining yeah. us and, uh, and speak to you all again soon. Yeah, so, from goodbye, all of us everyone. here, take care, guys. Bye bye.